Hello, greetings and salutations and welcome to another Grand Day Out episode. Should it really be called a Grand Day Out now? I know it started originally as a Grand Day Out. But I can't go out, we're not allowed outside. Well, I'm certainly not going outside anyway. How are we all doing anyway? We all okay? We, we good? I am going to start... By talking about the Watchmen Ultimate Edition. You're going, Dave, the Ultimate Edition. That came out in November. Well, it turns out that I've had a copy laying about for about six months or so. It was definitely before the UK went into lockdown in March. And with everything else going on at the time, I didn't get round to watching it. So as some could say, I'm a little bit late to the party. You may hear that again in the future. Hook and tease, hook and tease. But anyway, I watched the ultimate edition of the Watchmen film, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. So originally the film was two and a half hours long in its theatrical form. 162 minutes to be precise. It then... Got a director's cut a couple of years later that expanded it to 186 minutes. The ultimate cut, which I've just sat through, is a butt-numbing 3 hours 35 minutes. 3 hours 35 minutes, or 215 minutes in total. Oy vey. So, does it actually improve the film? Um, yes and no. So if you're a big fan of the graphic novels and you saw the theatrical version originally, you would have noticed that there was several key chunks missing from the film. Plot-wise, and the Tales of the Black Freighter segment. So a lot of the cut plot bleeds were put back into the director's cut, the Ultimate Edition. Is the director's cut, but it's got Tales of the Black Freighter thrown in with it. And as a result, it kind of makes it very, very jarring. And it's kind of making me agree with Terry Gilliam that the film was actually technically unfilmable. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it. Because I did, it's just the first hour and a half or so. Not really a lot happens. Which is kind of the same with the, the graphic novel, really. Blasphemy, I know. But you've got to really slog through those initial... Sort of an hour, hour and a half to really get to the meaty... Uh, content, I suppose. It's... I mean, the Ultimate Edition, it's, it's fine. I mean, I probably won't watch again. It's Watchmen is a film that probably... It's best viewed in its theatrical cut. I can't believe I'm going to say it because I usually prefer director's cut and extended cuts. But just due for pacing and timing because the pacing in this Ultimate Edition, God, it's long. I got about two hours in and I realised I still had another hour and a half to go. It just feels very, very long and very, very bloated. It's definitely one for completionists, and I'm glad that I've seen it 10 years after it was initially promised. 
to us. So obviously a lot of overseas American listeners right now are going, what the hell, we've had this for years. Well, we've only just kind of got it in the UK on 4K Blu-ray and Blu-ray. So if you like Watchmen, yeah, it's it's worth a watch. But to be honest, not that I've seen it yet, from my understanding of the TV series, is the one to watch if you want more Watchmen. So hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, I'm going to get around to watching that soon. So, yeah. Watchmen Ultimate Edition. It's okay, but bloody long. So at the time of recording, it is Monday the 3rd of August. It's seven minutes past midnight. And I've just got through watching a film called The Fanatic. Apparently it came out on DVD end of July so last week or the week before time of recording but it actually came out in the USA last year which I was unaware of so for those of you who don't know this is directed produced and co-written by Limp Biscuit frontman Fred Durst I didn't realize that he directs films now because I mean of course he does so the Fanatic is actually based off a true story by Fred Durst, who is supposedly a fan who stalked him for years. I don't know so how far the true story goes. But yeah, that's um that that's certainly a thing. So John Travolta plays the main role called Moose. Apparently he won a Razzie for this this year. He actually won Worst Actor, and after watching the film, I completely agree with that. He is just ludicrous in every single scene. He overacts to the point of exhaustion. It made me feel tired. And the fact that the first line in the film he says is, I can't talk too long. I've got to poo. <laughs> just, it's just, that's kind of marvelling at the brilliance of the script. It's, oh my word, there's, there's a part where John Travolta, accidentally kills a character who hits her head on on a garden ornament and she starts bleeding obviously from head trauma and things and basically John Travolta's character turns around and says you've got a nosebleed that's bad that's not good it's very bad I had a nosebleed once and it's um it's certainly something to be saying there's 50 seconds of logos at the start Yes, I timed it because I thought they were going on forever. There's also these really weird hand-drawn pictures that kind of spread throughout the movie. Why does it do that? I, I don't know. I think the film probably thinks it's more clever than it actually is and more artistic. But it's really, really not. I also feel like it's used to pad out the runtime because the runtime... It's a very paltry 100, it's one hour, 25 minutes, so about 85 minutes. On top of that as well, with it being a Fred Durst directed film, of course there's Limp Biscuit music. And there's one scene where Fred manages to squeeze in his band's music into one scene. And I bet he felt really good about that. And you know, the other really weird thing I noticed as well is that the opening credits are used again in the ending credits, which is so weird and so bizarre. 
because normally they're different, but for whatever reason, they've used exactly the same ones. It's just bonkers. It's just my word. I don't, I don't get what Fred was trying to do. I don't, I don't know. If you like John Travolta going over the top, possibly hammy, really bad, it's worth a watch. The gore, well, I say gore. The blood and effects, they're, 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 they're okay. This film is literally too dark in places. It's like, I know parts of it are set at night, but even then, the sets aren't lit properly, so you can't really see what's going on. So a lot of the time, I was kind of squinting to see kind of what was happening on the screen, and it was hard to make out who was who. But if that hasn't put you off from watching it, be a bit wary. I bought this, like I say, about a week or two ago on DVD for a grand total of £7. Don't pay £7 for it. Wait until it gets a little tiny bit cheaper. Okay? While we're still talking about films, should we very quickly talk about Host? Yeah, go on then. It's going to be literally really quick. So I watched a film for timestamp purposes. We are now the 8th of August. Long time ago since the last batch of recordings. So last night I watched Host on Shudder. For those of you that don't know, Shudder is a dedicated horror streaming app. It's basically described as the Netflix of horror. So there's lots of horror films on there. Obviously, me giving... Me being a big horror fan, you're damn straight, I've got it. Anyway, moving on from that. Host is... It was filmed entirely in lockdown. Made with British actors, British director, and things like that. So, to sell you on the concept of a film, it is a Zoom seance. So you see the these group of friends all gather around where they normally do quiz nights or whatever, as people tended to do during lockdown, and probably still do, to be fair. They decide that they're going to have a seance through Zoom. And, um, yeah, it, it's not a bad film. It's extremely brief, running at 56 minutes. I'm kind of glad that it didn't run any longer than that. Because I feel like the concept would have worn out as welcome long before then. But considering it was all filmed pretty much on mobile phones. and Because they did a tweet along with it last night with the director. And seeing some of the behind the scenes shots with kind of camera. The actors were essentially their own camera people and sound people and stuff like that. It's absolutely crazy. It's, it's quite... An interesting kind of look behind the scenes of that. But Host, yeah, it, it, it's fine. I must admit, a lot of it is very paranormal activity. So obviously, so you kind of don't see a lot. You, it's all implied and things like that. It still it managed to make me jump at least once at the end, even though I knew it was coming. So if you've got Shudder... Or even if you can get uh, Amazon Prime and then get the Shutter Bolt on. It's worth a look, just purely based off the fact it was filmed entirely in lockdown. 
yeah, host, give it a look. Final thing while we're talking about films and movies of such an ilk. So it's come to my attention that Quentin Dupieux, I believe is how you say his name, otherwise known as Mr. Wazo. <laughs> Remember that single from the late 90s called Flat Eric? It's from the Levi advert with, with the yellow puppet bobbing his head. That That's Quentin Dupieux. Anyway, he has put out a trailer within the last week, two weeks or so, for a film called Mandibles. So you're going, why the hell should I care about Quentin Dupieux, Mr. Wazo? I so he did a film a couple of years back called Rubber. For those of you who don't know, it is a weird and wonderful film about a... I can't believe I'm going to say this. A killer tire called Robert. How does he kill people, I hear you ask? He obviously has telekinetic powers. Yes, it is as weird as it sounds. Anyway, moving on to the news. He has put a new trailer has appeared online for Mandibles. So you're going, what, 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 what? So Mandibles, I've got a little plot synopsis here. I quote verbatim. When simple-minded friends John Gab and Manu find the giant fly trapped in the boot of a car, they decide to train it in the hope of making a ton of cash. Yeah, I'm just going to let that sink in for a moment. Okay, so you're going, big deal. What, what, why do I care? So this teaser trailer is about 15 seconds long, and it is a large fly drinking out of a swimming pool. It looks and sounds absolutely bonkers release day apparently premiering at september's venice film festival again don't know if that's going to be happening because obviously c virus but movie's going to be set to be released in france on december the 2nd hopefully fingers crossed touch wood he says touching his head that uh it'll get a release in europe not long after because I must admit, Rubber was a weird and wonderful sort of film. I didn't really know where it was going to go, and I'm always up for watching more weirdness, to be fair. So, again, that's Mandibles. Have a look online for the trailer and see what you think. Another Friday is upon us, my friends. What Friday? Why? It's only Bandcamp Friday. So, for those of you that don't know... During the C-virus pandemic, a lot of bands and labels are losing revenue due to the fact that bands cannot go out and tour. So one Friday, which has now been extended to the end of the year, thank you, Bandcamp, you are doing the Lord's work, as I was saying, so at least one Friday every month until December 2020, Bandcamp decides to forego all of their... um fees and things like that and give it directly to the bands and labels who've put their music on Bandcamp. So the very first album I want to take a look at is ironically called 2020 and that's by a band called Zombie. Zombie being a reference to the Italian name for George A. Romero's original Dawn of the Dead. So Zombie they are a duo who 
use a lot of looping and modulation to create music. A lot of it is very synth-based with guitar work. It's all completely instrumental, so there's no screaming lyrics over the top. For those of a mm, less metal-leaning audience <laughs> that I may have may not have accrued. So I really dug this latest album. I've had my eye on Zombie for a little while now. I've kind of been acutely aware of them based purely because of their name. I thought, why not? Because it's Bandcamp Friday. Well, at least it was yesterday. Why not get the latest album? And, and I did, and I listened to it on the way home from work yesterday. And it's really bloody good. It's really atmospheric. And do you know what? It is almost the soundtrack to 2020 because it's kind of apocalyptic and dystopian in nature. But God, in all seriousness, it's really bloody good. It's definitely worth a listen. The only other comparisons I can make to it is potentially something like, well, I hate to say it, Goblin. Although they're more sort of disco funk based, and they have a very similar sound to them, along with also ironically featured probably in one of these uh, Grand Day Out episodes, uh, the John Carpenter sound. It's I don't know. I don't I don't really listen to a lot of synth music, so they're my only sort of frames of reference. I'm afraid. But anyway, going back to the music, it's really really good and really the two guys in the band whose names completely escape me now but they're both multi-instrumentalists and they're extremely talented and yeah it's definitely worth checking out this album even if you're just tangentially sort of interested in synthwave so i have ordered the Highlighter yellow splatter vinyl, and it looks to be absolutely beautiful. So I will put pictures and images of that online once it arrives. And I am going to very shortly upload the rest of the images from the previous episode of Grand Day Out. Because I haven't done that yet. It's all arrived. So, yay! But yeah, Zombie 2020, if you need some more synth wave in your life get on it you won't be disappointed and we're going to talk about the next haul from Bandcamp day that being the latest massive wagons album called house of noise so i'm not sure if this is going to pick up in the background i've got one of the singles from this album on in the background by the name of the curry song which is a love letter to the one of the band's most favourite uh, fast food takeaway curry houses, basically. So, if you don't know who Massive Wagons are, oh, you should. You, you really, really should. Massive Wagons are signed to Earache Records and they play what can only be described as... I hasten to use the word rock and roll... But I guess it is. They kind of play heavy rock. Bordering on metal sometimes. But they're not overall that heavy. 
I became acutely aware of them with their last album, which came out in August 2018, called Full Nelson. And that album itself, oh, really fronting good. So I had high hopes for House of Noise when it came out a couple of weeks ago. So I listened to it on the way home from work today. And I've got to say, it's pretty good. It's a perfectly, not decent, yeah, it's better than decent. It's a perfectly great follow-up. Admittedly, it doesn't have some of the more sing-along tracks that instantly get stuck in your head like Full Nelson did with uh, such as Billy Balloonhead, China Plates, Back to the Stack. But I think repeated listens of this album is going to really help this. I mean, like I said, the, the standout track has to be possibly Professional Creep, which is kind of about a guy online just basically being a massive perth <laughs> towards people that and obviously the curry song which i've got on in the background again no idea if it's going to pick up but yeah the fact that the band can do that now is just is astonishing i was really hoping to catch them on tour this year but due to the c virus and things like that it's obviously not going to happen but i'm hoping once they hit the road again i'm going to get to see them but Massive Wagons, if you like your rock and roll and you want something a little bit new and a little bit different, you can't go wrong with Massive Wagons. And House of Noise, absolutely brilliant. So I've ordered the LP, which I'm hoping is going to turn out real soon. Nothing special this time, but it's nice to support the band and obviously have it on a fiscal format. So really looking forward to getting that one. Yeah, check out. House of Noise by Massive Wagons. It's bloody brilliant. So my last of the haul from Bandcamp Friday in the month of August was sound footage by Mr. Biffo. Some of you may be thinking, what, what, what's a Mr. Biffo? Well, he's from that there digitizer, isn't he? Member digitizer, member teletext... No? Okay. Go on YouTube, look up Digitizer 2000, and you will find all of his work. So, a lot of people... I mean, I personally got into him through found footage and found, uh, sound footage is kind of a continuation, so to speak. So, it's Mr. Biffo... Trying to write music, I guess. And you know what? It's actually really, really bloody good. It says here in the in the notes where I bought it from Bandcamp, it's kind of his attempt to make an epic prog rock album using only loops and samples. Do you know what? For an experiment, it's really, really bloody good. It kind of evokes, obviously, you can really hear the prog rock influences seat through, like Pink Floyd, like Marillion, like, you know, Yes and things like that. You can really hear them seeping through, along with the guitar playing by 
Jordan Cook as well. Some exemplary guitar playing on there. And obviously he's uh, Biffo's longtime collaborator to do the musics and stuff. But considering that I wasn't exactly sure what to expect, I really, really dug this for all intents and purposes. It's not throwaway at all. Personal favourite tracks on the album has to be easily the 15 minute epic called Brannigan, which is a shall we say a a story song which is some of my favorites so it's kind of the concept around the found footage series ironically it's all linking back together and things like that but it's a really really great prog rocky kind of piece and obviously i know that for some people the style of humour and things of Digitizer and that aren't exactly for everyone. They, it can be quite surreal and things. And it does do that in this album, which can be a little bit jarring. But again, I was so taken in by kind of the the all-owl landscapes that were kind of built with the music. I didn't really pay attention to, you know, kind of the voiceovers and, and things like that as well. If you like your music with a little bit of a proggy tinge, you, it might be worth checking out. It may be something you're into. Give it a go. It also appears that on Bandcamp as well, Mr. Biffo has actually put up a couple of EPs and singles and things as well. So hopefully I'm going to be grabbing those. Hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, providing uh, finances allow and such like, going to grab the next Bandcamp day. Okay, final thing we're going to talk about in this episode, because I feel like I've rambled enough. Remember in the episode, the special episode I should say, no less, for the PS5 reveal, and I kind of talked about a game called Bug Snacks. Anyway, turns out the soundtrack for that trailer was by a London-based band called Caro Caro Bonito. About three weeks ago, I believe I already posted it on the Twitter, but they released the theme tune to the game. And oh my, isn't it a wonderful slice of pop heaven? I've had this damn thing stuck in my head now for three weeks straight because it is that catchy. And I've also kind of been diving into the back catalogue as well of Caro Caro Benito and again it's all wonderfully I don't even know how to describe it the only way to describe it would be kawaii <laughs> for those of you not in the know that apparently that's Japanese for cute or something like that anyway I'm rambling now but I freaking love this bug snacks track it's so catchy so very catchy and it's light and the keyboard as well it's fantastic all of it it just all works together it's a nice little different kind of a uh, sound and vibe going on now i saw that they have they actually have a little bit on Bandcamp, which unfortunately by the time i got around to realizing that they had some stuff on there 
I didn't actually get a chance to grab it. However, hopefully next Bandcamp day, I'm going to grab the Bonito Generation album because it sounds great. And also, for those of you who are into your memes and meme culture, Kerry Kerry Bonito actually did the song Flamingo. You'd know it if you heard it, believe me. But this was an absolute revelation. I can't speak properly. It's been a long day at work. Anyway, it was kind of a revelation discovering Cara Cara Benito. So, really highly recommend checking them out if you want something a little bit different from your, you know, your, your, your average pop music. Get, get some weirdness in your life. Get some Cara Cara Benito, because I sure have. <laughs> 